Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And Andres, I mean, Graham Potter era has officially begun in a slightly underwhelming fashion, but nonetheless, it is his first game. So uh, I, before we get into it, no Psalm today, but uh, we do have Andres, as always. So Andres, my man, how you feeling after that draw? I think I feel better than most of the internet. <laughs> and welcome back to the podcast, Zach. I'm glad uh, Vegas didn't steal all your money. And you still can pay for internet so you can record stuff. And watch Chelsea. Yeah, I've been to Vegas three times in the last month. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done with Vegas for the foreseeable. I'm, I'm glad that the intervention your family and, and friends like Sam and I did kept you from gambling yet again. I, you know what? I didn't gamble. Actually, that's a lie. I learned how to play Baccarat, which is interesting. No clue um, what it is. It's, uh, it's one of the few gambling games, without getting into it, where you're not necessarily like the one making the decisions that determine the outcome. You're more so betting on like the dealer or the player. So I don't know. I don't want to get into it. But I did play a little bit of Baccarat um made some chinese friends doing so i had no idea how big it was i was talking to this guy who was sitting next to me and he said that like apparently in china baccarat is huge like that's that's like their main gambling game um uh-huh. so yeah that was kind of an interesting interesting uh experience for me because i'm not really a gambler but i didn't win shit i lost really bad just picture for anyone that's ever watched how i met your mother there's one episode where Barney Stinson has to win a bunch of money and he plays a, in the show, it's a made-up Asian gambling game and he just yells a bunch of random things. Nobody knows what's going on and he somehow wins money. That, that's what I'm picturing. If you guys ever watch How I Met Your Mother, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, Google it. I'm sure it's an easy find. But, Zach, I'm sure you don't want to hear me ramble on about a semi-mediocre sitcom, so... Well, I, I do want to brag about I do want to brag about two of my Vegas trips though because I, I need to clarify I am not a gambling addict and I am not an alcoholic. I went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers the first time, and then the second time, I, I actually went to drink and party. But the third time, I went to go see Swedish House Mafia, which was fucking awesome. So it was more like music based with some drinking and a little bit of sprinkling of baccarat involved, you know. Okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to make it rich before I get married, you know. I got to do what I got to do, man. I can't can't relate. All right. Well, um we do have this match to talk about. Like I said, um the Graham Potter era has officially begun. Um the man showed up in a suit, which I fucking love. Uh, it just shows, and a clean fade, a very clean fade. Yeah, he 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 cleans up nice. I got I gotta give it to him. I thought he was gonna pull up in the sweatsuit and everything because when I've seen him at Brighton, he's usually wearing sweats, kind of like Tuchel did. But you know, to each his own. Showed up in the suit and he uh little Don Draper bag. look. Yeah, with a yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get right, let's get into it, Andres. So before the match started, uh, Chelsea fans were kind of. 
questioning what kind of formation it was. Um, Graham Potter said before the match, quote, I won't give too much away before kickoff, but he did put up a 4-2-3-1 on the match day card. When in reality, it was a hybrid, you know, 3-5-2 um, with a natural 10. So we had Keppa in goal, uh, back three of Aspi, Thiago Silva, and Kukurea, Mount, Jorginho, and Kovacic in the midfield, Reese, Havertz, and Sterling, um, and Aubameyang up top. So again, it was three at the back. So your wing backs in this situation were Reese James, and on the other side, Raheem Sterling in the quote unquote Trossard role, which sounds disgusting saying out loud because Sterling is 50 times a player Trossard will ever be. But um, your initial thoughts on the, on the lineup, Andres? I was just. Amaze me. It be lined up as a four three three four two three one. Then, whenever I saw it on the pitch, I was like, okay, I, I I understand it a little bit more now. And in the first kind of the beginning of the match, I was like, okay, I see the vision. This is why we hired Graham Potter, right? To to add a little bit of flair to our usually stale three four three three five two. You know whatever you want to call. Our, our usual deployment under Tuchel. So, you know, for a guy that had technically five days, but who knows how many of those days were interrupted by the the news regarding the Queen, he went for it. I mean, this is definitely something different, in my book at least. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a welcome, I guess it's a welcome uh, change, right? I mean, I know formationally it seemed somewhat similar, and I know that we said we never wanted to see any of our attacking players playing out of position. But don't get it twisted. Raheem Sterling was not playing as a wingback. He was definitely playing as a winger. Just check the heat maps. He's strictly out wide on the left flank, high up the pitch. Um, and Kukurea just sat in right behind him. So um, really quick before we kind of get into the first half. I mean, this is our second Aubameyang cameo. I know he really didn't show us much, and we'll, we'll get into Broja a little bit later, but just give me your initial thoughts on, on, on seeing Abba sort of... I guess this is his first real start. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, like, he actually... I mean, it's it's tough, because he had, like, a day with Tuchel, and then Tuchel's gone. Then he had, like, two days with Potter. So, like, he's played with his teammates maybe a week's worth of training, and completely different philosophy well not completely different but different managers different styles of practice so who knows i think that at this point it's unfair to judge his his performances i think that he was doing usual i would say the usual mistakes of our nines under tuchel where he just kept drifting too wide and just felt like he wasn't quite sure what his role was supposed to be in this yet because he was too much of a facilitator for, I wouldn't say facilitator, but he was trying to be too much of help in the wide areas. And then it almost felt like he was always two steps too slow to get to where he was supposed to, to finish chances and crosses and such. So I think he'll, that's an easy fix, making sure that he's operating in the proper areas as a true nine and, and letting I or whoever decides to play that roaming 10 be the one that really does all the all the floating so if, if we can get him to just do the, the nine work instead of the 10 
I think it'll be a different story. I just think, again, he looked a little bit lost still. Yeah. And, and I noticed Graham Potter was, he wasn't, he wasn't, he was gesturing at him um, in particular when he'd float out wide. And I noticed that he did that a lot um, where he would come out wide and sort of play that little tippy tappy game with Sterling ball would go backwards, recycle to the other side. And then he'd slowly drift back to the middle and play the boring play continues. Right. Um, So I think like, like you said, those are some of the kicks that could be worked out, but I do kind of want to put it on record. I think Aubameyang is going to score goals for us. I don't think there's a version of this story where he just comes in and doesn't score at all. I do think there's a version of this story where Groja eventually becomes preferred over him, just based stylistically, you know, stylistically speaking. But to say that Aubameyang is just going to be a dud is, is ridiculous. I mean, he scored goals everywhere he went, even at Arsenal before he drew, before he drew, uh, you know, dried up a little bit. Things turned sour. He he was scoring goals. So yeah. Make of it yeah. what you will. Aubameyang's going to score. Just stay patient, I guess. Yeah, and I think, like, again, he went from a week with Tuchel where the midfield doesn't pass directly to the nine to then today there was obvious attempts from the midfield three to go through the back line and over them to let, you know, Kai or, or Sterling or, or Aubameyang run onto the ball. So the the patterns of play will come. It's just a matter of him being in the right place because we know he's good at finishing for the most part. I didn't think he had any chances today where I was like, God damn it, Aubameyang. You know, like I didn't have that, you know, that the usual, you know, what we're used to from a Timo or, or a Lukaku last season where it's like, how did you miss that? I, I didn't, I don't have that yet. It's more of because I don't think he's had the, the positioning for it, at least in this match. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that'll come with time. So let's kind of just get into the first half here. I mean, it was uh, on paper, at least. It was a very familiar, familiar looking thing, right? 73% possession, nine shots, none on target. Look, I, Twitter is definitely split on this, right? I mean, we, we, there's some people out there that said, we look exactly the same as if Tuchel was in charge. Some people say, like me, I think the patterns of play were different. I think the one-touch passing was quicker. I think we were actually playing line-breaking balls a la Jorginho, which is something that I thought would never be able to get coached into him. Um, But in general, the possession play and the build-up play was there. I think the only thing that was really missing was that final run and, and eventually, you know, the finish, obviously. But you don't get the finish without that final run. So... You know, obviously there's some frustration there, but I mean, what did you what did you kind of make of it? And and if you want, let's kind of break it up. So we'll talk about the first 20 minutes because that's sure. really where we laid it on them. So just starting there, what did you what did you see from Chelsea? I mean, the energy for one was there. Uh, there was a lot more movement from our our players. A lot, you know, Kovacic running past the front line, Mount trying to do the same. Uh, from a midfield position, not from the front, front three. So there was a lot of more overlapping, uh, whether it was through the middle or through the outside. I thought there was also a lot more willingness to risk uh, the final pass. You know, it wasn't just, oh, nope, U-turn, U-turn, U-turn. We did revert back to that later on. But first 20 minutes, there was passes over the top, passes that were built up through the middle. Uh, it wasn't just the ball to Reese James somehow and cross, which was our strategy for the better part of the first seven matches this season. 
Yeah. Um, thought the energy was there. I thought it was much more obvious counter pressing. You would take the risk, and if you don't get the ball, you're immediately on the defensive end. So I thought that first 20 minutes showed what the plan is for the full 90. And then typical issue with our team because at some point it's a character of our players the goal didn't come that's where they kind of throw in the towel or you feel like they revert back to safety of of passing backwards and, and eventually getting the ball out wide and then spamming crosses that sort of thing sort of came and went in the rest of the first half uh forcing shots was a big thing taking too many touches uh inside the box instead of pulling the trigger so first 20 minutes felt like we were unlucky to get one second 25 minutes felt like now we're just over complicating it it was a mix of either over complicating it inside the box or if we weren't getting inside the box reverting back to you know our usual safe boring session yeah, I did. I, I want to focus on the, just the pure energy aspect of what the team gave. And I know this is like sort of the cheesy thing to harp on, right? They had a lot of heart. Like, I, I fucking hate it when people mention that kind of shit. But, you know, this is for all of the Tuchel apologists, right? The people that think he should still be in charge. Um, if Tuchel's still in charge, we probably lose this game. Because the major problem that we saw against um, Dynamo was... We weren't running. The players were mentally checked out. They weren't willing to put in the hard yards, to put in the hard work, to grind out a result. And this is something that we kind of saw with this team today. Granted, the the ultimate match winner, what match winning moment never came to fruition. But I think to say that the team didn't put in, you know, I don't want to say 100% effort because I still think there's a way to go, but I think definitely an improved effort in terms of actually covering every blade of grass on the pitch. I think that goes a long way. And I think if Tuchel's in charge, these players don't do that, and we probably lose this game because Salzburg was completely ready to match every ounce of energy that we had. Um, So yeah, I mean, what what do you kind of think about that? Because... For me, I mean, we can get into the tactics, we can get into the build-up play, we can get into the substitutions and the lineup and this and that and the compare and contrast Tuchel and Potter, but for me, I saw the players towards the end of Tuchel's reign completely check out. And by that, I mean physically. They were not willing to put in the work on the pitch anymore. I mentioned, like, there is that in our team where, like, if things don't work, it just feels like, you know... Nothing's gonna we come. We drop of a it. few levels. Yeah. yeah. And and I think while while this first half I, I had my frustrations at point. It's how do I put this? I mean, you saw Jorginho going in for hard tackles all game in this match. In in the Zagreb match and the other matches that we lost, it's one of those where he gives you a half ass attempt and then he jogs back. Like, yeah. I didn't see that today. That, that I, I don't want to say that it was like... At the end of the day, I think that this team still lacks balls, balls. when things don't go their way. <laughs> but I do think that uh, the tactic of immediately winning the ball back was there for most of this match, which I do think 
under Tuchel, it was getting to the point where tactics just kind of went out the window much sooner. Um, yeah. Like, we'll I mean, I know, to... be... right? I, I know we beat it to death, but like, I mean, once the players are checked out, it's over. Yeah. I mean, that that's obvious. I, I, I was just, even with the players that won, I just felt that wasn't a tactical plan like they would drop the tactical plan almost and it would just be bam crosses to an empty box like the yeah. only way we're going to get to the box is by going wide to Reese James and then we spam it like or Sterling tries to dribble three players you know like that was it that was it mm-hmm. under Tuchel at one point this season so I felt like the players tried to stick to what Graham Potter's trying to implement in the last few days but at the end of the day like Three days isn't you. You don't built Rome wasn't built in a day. You don't read a book, absorb every bit of information after a couple of sit downs. You know, so I think like the initial foundation was obvious. Um, like how we wanted to build up. Where did our players try to be positionally? And I invite anyone listening to just go on Sofa Score and see the heat maps. They're clear for the most part only ones that weren't was Kai Havertz and we'll speak on him later but every starter bar him had a specific part of the pitch that they were trying to operate in and it was clear and obvious and I think that that's a good first step the guys weren't entirely lost into what they were supposed to be doing out there it sounds weird hearing clear and obvious not in the context of VAR VAR yeah (laughs) there's nothing clear and obvious about it I'm just kidding um look i i think i think he made a good point the first 20 minutes 25 ish minutes that is what potter is trying to achieve for the for the period of 90 minutes obviously with the final touch and the goal scoring but everything else was on point and 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 to kind of give credit where credit's due defensively we only made one mistake and we obviously we got punished for it so I think, you know, in terms of solidifying the back line, it was definitely improved. I think the players actually willing to run had a lot to do with it because we had guys tracking back and getting behind the ball. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think we're definitely headed in the right direction. Um, so we go nil-nil into, the, into halftime. We come out of, uh, into the second half. Raheem Sterling gets his goal relatively quickly. I think it was six or seven minutes in. Um, he seems to be the only attacking player that could fucking put the ball in the back of the net for us. And even at that, and this might sound kind of harsh, um, I think he could even score some more. There were some times where he'd cut in onto his right foot and that far post would be wide open. And, you know, he would obviously look for a teammate, which isn't a bad decision. But I think with, with Sterling's efficiency from those positions this season, we've already seen him score two goals now. Every single time he cuts in on his right foot, I want him going full Z-ish um, and just and, and having a rip at goal because he seems like the only guy that could put it in the back of the net. Yeah, and, and I mentioned to you guys, like, this was the first time he didn't take 10 touches to shoot. And, and I mentioned earlier that in the first half, it almost got to a point where everyone was overthinking it. He was either taking a lot more touches than necessary to... I don't know, he was trying to create more space than he needed to to pull the trigger, or he would try something. At one point, he tried to do a backheel to Kovacic, who was making a run into the box. It was like, 
we don't have to get too crazy. You you beat the defender. Shoot. First thing, you get a goal kick or a corner kick. But you tried. And I think that ball finally got to him. He stopped it, rolled it in front of him, and shot. And I was like, okay, perfect. This is more sometimes. You don't have to yeah. overthink it that much. The quicker you pull the trigger, the less time the keeper has to set his feet, the better chance you have it to curl it around him because he doesn't have enough strength to, to dive and get there. So, I mean, it wasn't top bins. It curled to the back post, but it, it wasn't the strongest shot. It just made a quick decision. And, and I hope that, you know, he can continue to do that. Um, just realize that when he's inside that box, like, shoot. Usually, that's where Albamian can come in and do his little tap-ins. He's going to be in the right place, right? Or you would mm-hmm. hope he is. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was nice for him to continue his form, even with the new manager, and get his first Champions League goal for Chelsea. So, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna raise my hand up and admit it that I was wrong. I thought that once we saw the net bulge once, we would start scoring a ton of goals, and it would be our fairy tale start for Grand Potter's Chelsea. But... Dude, it just seems like, you know, we get the goal and it gives us like a temporary burst of confidence with a dash of questioning in our own abilities, I feel like, right? We sort of revert back into our own shells after that five or 10 minute period passes where our confidence goes up. And like I said, we drop a level or two. It's not that, it's not that we, you know, make one or two silly mistakes in the entire game and the other 89 minutes are perfect. We'll go through periods where we're not very good. And the other team will, yeah. even if they're not dominating possession, they look like the better team. And, and to be fair to Salzburg, I think between minutes 65 and I want to say 80, they were the better team. Granted, they didn't see the ball much, but they were, they were creating opportunities. They were creating havoc. They snapped us out of our rhythm even though we were already 1-0 up. And they obviously prevented us from getting the, uh, you know, the two-goal lead. So Salzburg gets their goal. Kovacic gets fucking clobbered. And it's a foul every day of the week. I don't know why it wasn't pulled back. Um, it was followed by at least three other missed tackles right after that. Um, and then Thiago Silva with a botched clearance that is usually routine for him sliding tackle which yeah he normally times perfectly i'm not going to waste my time talking about the mistake because this is tiago silva it's a one-off um and as Piliqueta obviously asleep i don't even think he saw his man until he turned his back and by then it, that guy was already running across as you know aspie aspie left completely. his bifocals at the retirement home completely I'm sorry, man. It, 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 it's, it's so painful watching Aspie play now. It's gotten to the point where it's, it's like... It's, it's, not, it's not like having a, a... It's like having a relative that's terminally ill. Just, Jesus. Yeah, that, that's honestly what it feels like. Because every time he plays, he, it, it gets worse and worse and worse. And, and I mentioned this in the group chat. He's getting rinsed by six four six five center forwards who have zero lateral movement whatsoever. I mean, Tiago Silva makes him... Uh, Tiago Silva looks fast compared to Dave. Let's just put it that way. Well, before, before we get deep into Dave, and we will, I just wanted to say you earlier you mentioned that we made just one mistake and Salzburg uh, scored. 
I think we made five mistakes in one play. And and not to harp on, on Thiago Silva, because usually he's perfect, so I'm not going to yeah. like sit here and bash on him. I'm going to bash on every single midfielder who didn't just have some freaking grit and foul a guy. Yeah, you take a, take a card. Busted. Yeah, if you think you're about to get busted on a counterattack, which has been the issue at Chelsea this season, goals in transition or set pieces, like, how about you give up a set piece in a non-threatening Gray, I'm looking at Kovacic, all players that just, well, not Kovacic, he was fouled. I believe it was Sterling, Ukraya, and was it Mount that for some reason was on that side of the pitch? I can't remember who the third player was. But three players that didn't yank on a jersey, three players that didn't just trip a player, and it led to the goal. The the Man City is quickly getting a yellow card. Just get the yeah. yellow reset, and you're giving up a free kick from 50 yards out. Like, if, if I'm Graham Potter and one of my players picks up a yellow in that situation, I'm clapping. Yeah, no, that's the thing to do. You, I think... Yeah. I think this goal, and you talked about, to, to go back to the real source of the problem, is what happens after we score this season. I still think this team is very low on confidence. They score, and they're thinking, what do, we do, to not, what do we do to not give up this lead? Yeah. Instead of what you would think should happen, which is, how do we double, triple, quadruple this lead? How do we get more? That's how you kill teams. It's not, so how do I minimize mistakes? Because then you're thinking about the mistake. Sure enough, the mistake comes. Yeah, like that's such a half glass full. Is that how you say it? half glass full? Yeah, glass half full. Glass Sorry, half empty. Glass yeah, half, half empty full. approach. You you have to snap their necks. Like you can't you can't sit there and think, okay, we got the goal. Now let's hold on. No, that's not that's not what happens. If you don't look to score, you get scored on. I think that's a big mental uphill battle that. The only way you're going to get around it is scratching out results for a bit. And yeah. you know, we haven't been able to do that. I don't know the last time that we won matches back-to-back. And, I mean, we lost Zagreb. We drew this one. We get two weeks off and, unfortunately, an international break. But on top of, like, patterns of play to attack, I think that's the big, big issue here is that, again, I mentioned earlier, these team, this team doesn't have balls right now. I think this is the yeah. first... I wouldn't say the first. Let me let me rephrase. We are in a period carousel happens unless you pick up form. You don't have that spine that allows you to inch out the bad result until you do get that form. Yeah, I think I read today we haven't made a midfield signing in five of six or to six years. And what happened in the last five to six years? We won the Premier League just once. Sure, we're great at cup teams, and I've mentioned this week in, week out. You can wake up on a cup day match and ball out. But there's no midfielders who who can take control of the game like SCN, like Balak, like Lampard, the way we could back in the day. We've had Jorginho, who had a fantastic year because, let me put this, let me instead of going individually and, and trying to bash on our players, Here's the truth. Conte has covered our midfield's ass for the better part of five or six years. Now yeah, he's, not he's, available, ex- he's covered all the cracks, hasn't he? And, and uh, Yeah, and now that he's not available because he's destroyed his body being a god for so long, here we are. Yeah. Poor planning has led to this part where 
no Conte means no midfield structure. And and that imbalance has been here forever. But Conte has been able to stay healthy for the better part of those years. So you don't have Conte, who's going to step up? The answer is right now, Jorginho doesn't know how to run. And I don't know what happened to Mason Mount over the summer, but I'm still trying to find the Mason Mount that we know and love. I think today was a good moment for him. I still don't see it. Allegher, I'm, I think the kid has talent, but he's not showing it yet. Come to, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still high on Gallagher. Eh, okay, but he's taking his sweet time to show it to us. Like, let's be real. He has not been good yet. Well, and, look, I mean, if, if Broja keeps his head down, he has an assist and a match winner in the Champions League. We'll get, we'll get to them, but, like, I mean, the midfield key contributors that we've had. Yeah. And who we know is playing well. Still haven't seen Zakaria. We still haven't seen Chukwameka, who's, at the end of the day, I don't want to rely on an 18-year-old, but we don't have that spine in the middle of the pitch right now. Thiago Silva's 38 years old. Great. Aspie, their years are already way behind him. Um, like, transition, somebody tried to point out Reese James in the goal. Reese James had nothing to do with the goal. Oh, he was goodness. in the opposite end of it the It happened goal. on the left side. Yeah, it happened completely down the left side. And again, we just mentioned it. Reese James was playing like a right winger and did a great job at it. There was nothing for him to do there. Look, it's, it's a one like, it's a 1v1 it's like situation Giza. where Aspie's... It's not like in Giza driving at Trent and Trent walking. Like, yeah. Aspie fell asleep on the back post. Simple yeah, as that. that. So... No, we didn't get the Kovacic foul, but five, six, maybe uh, five to six players could have prevented it, and they didn't. Yeah. And, and that's the poor. part that is, like, annoying to me. That we don't see, we don't see the, the, the just enough level of shithousery needed to understand competition. Like, foul, you're not going to be suddenly given a red card because you fouled the dude. Just trip the guy. There was only one yellow card. Card for like letting you play foul the guy. I don't think we have a a proper shithouser in the team, and I think that's something that's badly missing. If we're not going to have somebody in the midfield that just has this ridiculously efficient tackle success rate like Conte does, you got to have somebody in there to make the foul. If Conte was going to get beat, yeah, pull the player down. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I think the only times I've ever seen Conte even get carded is if it's a tactical foul. Well, you know, he'll tug on someone's jersey if he gets beat or something like that. But, you know, I, I think the thing is, Potter's biggest job, and, this, and it became really evident in this game, Potter's biggest job that he has to do with this Chelsea team is figure out a way to fix that confidence issue. Because there, is ta- there, is, there are players in there who are match winners, who could be match winners. I mean, based on Aubameyang's career history, we know he's a match winner. Raheem Sterling is a match winner. Mason Mount in form is a match winner, right? Reese James in form is a match winner. So there's players in there that we have that are bona fide match winners. The problem is when we concede, our confidence goes down the shitter. And then ultimately, if we keep piling up enough of these results... They're all going to clump together like they have. And next thing you know, you're five or six matches on the spin and you only picked up one or two wins. So 
for Graham Potter, that's that's a big thing. I know he has a degree in emotional intelligence. <laughs> Show us, baby. Get these guys back in, you know, feeling like themselves again. Um, maybe getting rid of Ziyech will do the trick, but I didn't say that. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, about him. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk not about him, but let's talk about the the substitutions, Andres. I mean, we'll we'll start with the good ones first. Obviously, everybody knows that I'm the biggest Armando Broja fanboy in the world. I love this kid. He's like a he reminds me of Diego Costa. I'm just gonna say it. He has that bite about him where I'm gonna get the fucking ball, and I don't care who's in front of me. I'll push you, kick you, punch you, headbutt you. It doesn't matter. I'm getting there first. You know, he, he has that initiative about him. And I think for Graham Potter's style of play, Graham Potter does like to be possession-based. Um, when we lose the ball, he does like to deploy a high press and win it in, you know, our attacking third um, or in the midfield. And I think Broja's perfect for that because he's shown a willingness to work off the ball. But something that we also saw today, Andres, is he actually has a bit of pace about him too. So if you're taking Aubameyang off and replacing him with a guy like Broja, you're not necessarily losing much. Because Broja has, I don't want to say just as much pace, because Aubameyang is still pretty pacey, even for his age. But you have a guy that does have pace, who's way more physical, and, I mean... Let's just be honest. He's a Cobham kid. We're always going to have a bias towards him. So in my opinion, I think Broja should get more more playing time. I think he should be starting the next match. I'd like to see him get a start against Crystal Palace. It's not a knock on Aubameyang or to say that Aubameyang's not going to work and it's done and this project's over. Fact of the matter is Aubameyang's 33 years old and Broja just signed a six-year contract and is clearly a player that the club has identified that is one for the future. So... If Potter could get a tune out of him, that'd be amazing. I mean, just based on the initial, you know, sample size that we saw under Potter and even under Tuchel, kid looks like the business. I think he just needs, you know, a run of games before he really gets banging. I, to me, it's 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 just the fact that he's the only one that seems to be looking for the goal. Like apart from Sterling, it just feels like. He has in his head, I'm going to score. I'm going to find a way to score. I'm going to find a way to get us the goal while everybody else is, you know, we, again, because I'm seeing Broja coming for off the bench and he's coming in with this energy, it might be a little different, but I saw, I saw on Twitter today, somebody say that sometimes Chelsea plays hot potato. The point of hot potato is to not have potato when the time runs out or like when it's, when the, when it's time to show up kind of thing. I feel like that's how this team operates at times. It's pass, 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 because oh, I'm too close to the goal and I don't want to be the guy that messes up. I think Broja's shown that he's like, no, no, give it to me. I want it. And yeah. That run he made down the right side that ended up on, on the best chance of the match where yes, just fucking couldn't put it away from three yards out. That's the kind of thing that, that you see from Broja. He's looking to make things happen. He's looking for the ball. I mean, young kid got too excited and blasted it over the crossbar when he had the chance to actually shoot. But like, again, he didn't think twice. He five touches, passed it back to Jorginho, and then who knows what would have happened. Because we did see that a couple of times where the ball was in the box, went back to Jorginho, and then he crossed it to from the middle to the outside. Like, 
overcomplicating stuff. And and I think Barroja is just so good at wanting it, demanding it. And I think that's so important for a number nine. I think the number nine should be one of the cockiest guys on the pitch. Has to be he needs the to, cockiest. He needs to demand. He needs to demand attention. When you are the number nine, you need to make defenders understand that you're there. Understand that you're a threat. If it's gonna be oh, let me run away from the goal and pass it to my winger. I'm going to help them. No, that's not scaring anybody. Plus, you're taking yourself out of dangerous positions. Broja's always there. Our best chances in the games that we lost was when Broja was coming in and making a difference. Um, and yeah. then the other one was RLC. And, and I don't know, the more I think about it, I don't know if RLC was just fantastic or it was the fact that he was doing more than Kai Havertz. And No, I, I think he was good. I think his link-up play was good. I think he was being very direct, which is something we haven't seen. From... If he was one inch inside the box, <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I don't, I don't know where that burst of pace has been, but he found it. Um, it's just, it's just funny to me that we're now on. I don't know what number of Chelsea manager this is for RLC, but now he's playing yet another position. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, when... he's he's definitely more advanced. For sure. When, I, when, like, I thought he was going to come in as an eight in this triple three one or whatever you want to call it in possession. And next thing we know, he's the guy right behind the striker. Um, again, I thought, I think for the most part this season, RLC has been another bright spot. And yeah, he's I raised think his that game. with this new manager in a clean slate, like, you never know. I saw Kovacic having to make runs past the front line. RLC was doing that with Sari, and that was his best timing, coming from midfield, getting into the box, and he was scoring some goals. I think he ended that season with like six goals in the Premier League. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you need goals, and if he's going to be the one driving into the box instead of, again, shying away from wanting the ball, so be it. Like, right now, I don't think many people's places are safe, and... And the other thing is, I, I don't think many of our bench players have done themselves any justice. And, and we can get into it now uh, of the players that aren't doing a I good mean, job of, of rising, raising their own stock. Could I, could I, could I speak on Ziyech first? Because, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to echo everything Go you said it. about the RLC argument, because I agree. I think, I think RLC is, he's the Swiss Army knife that every Chelsea manager that comes in sees as useful. They always look at RLC since since sorry, yeah. They've they've come in, they've looked at RLC and been like, Yeah, I could use you here, here, and here. I'm gonna keep you around for a little while. And I don't mind that. I think he's a great SWAT player. That's exactly the kind of quality you need in a 21-24 man squad, but beside the point. Hakeem Ziyech. I I don't know what the fuck his problem is. I don't know. Who the fuck he thinks he is when he looks in the mirror? I think he looks in the mirror and sees, you know, Aryan Robin. Personally, I think he sees some variation of an Moroccan Aryan Robin. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, he's easily the worst player on the pitch for us in the last two three matches, last two three appearances. He's been complete dog shit, and it's not just his his actual physical play. It's not the misplaced passes. It's not... Don't even get me started on the fucking corner kicks, not being able to beat the first man. It's the fucking attitude. It's the body language. It's his demeanor. 
it's the way he, he he has that stupid, dumbass, confused look on his face all the time, where it looks like he's you know modeling for a magazine, but oh shit, I'm I'm also playing football at the same time, kind of look. I I don't know what his problem is. He 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 grinds my gears, dude, and 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 I'm I'm completely over it. I don't think if you're Graham Potter, you see this performance in isolation, and you're like, that's enough for me. It didn't work under Tuchel. It didn't work under Frank. I deployed him in his, in his natural position out wide, cutting in on his left today. He had a, a few opportunities, fluffed every single one of them, and didn't even look bothered that he fluffed them. And yep. that's my issue. This guy was flying out to Ajax a week before the fucking transfer window closed because he wanted to go back home. And we didn't send him back home. And now all of a sudden he's one of the first subs off the bench? This doesn't make uh, any sense to me. I don't know if he was one of the first. He had nine minutes of, of playing time. But it's one of those things where, like, if you're only playing nine minutes of, of the match, we shouldn't have so much to say. Like, exactly. Three crosses to absolutely nobody. Like, he lost possession once a minute. He played eight minutes. He lost possession eight times. Turnovers. You talked about the corners. I mentioned the crosses, and then the, the the lack of understanding of what's going on right now. We can't like if you're gonna try a cross, like at least look up to see where you're doing it. I know. We're chasing a goal. We're chasing a result. He's just kicking the ball, and and you know, I I've been wanting so hard because you're right. It, we think of Ian Robin because that's the last right winger with left foot only that we've had. But it is a disgrace to call him Aryan Robin because Hakim Ziyech is everything but correct sometimes. Yeah, he's not quick like Ian Robin. He he dribbles in circles and then just boots it forty yards to absolutely nobody. And then when he gets a chance to do something, he's right there. Could be the hero because he thinks he is. Botches it. He's Chelsea's Nicholas Bentner. He just thinks he's way better than he is. He thinks he thinks he's he thinks he's some world class top notch. I'm one of the five. I have one of the five best left foots in world football. At this point, at this point, there's no. I don't think there's a way back in. Because I don't see a saving grace for him. I think that, like you said, he wanted out. He's been, you know, I'm gonna be my control my own future and whatever he was saying all summer. I don't think he's a positive figure in the locker room. And the more he gets played, the more it annoys me because he hasn't earned another use out of the bench. Yeah. When I saw the subs, and, and, and these are the bad subs that we're talking about now, when I saw that it was going to be Hakim Ziyech and Connor Gallagher coming in in the 81st, I was like, that's it. We're not scoring goals. We're not. The new established system... Hakim Ziyech is going to do everything in his power to break any tactical instruction because he plays for himself. That is mm-hmm. it. The only times he was succeeding was when Tuchel did everything in his fucking power let Ziyech do what Ziyech does. And, and even sorry. then it didn't come off for him. It didn't because we went right back to our old stuff. And doing shit in the Eredivisie means absolutely nothing. It is nothing. We can. We need to stop hyping up that Ajax team that made it to the semifinals of the Champions League because most of that team right now is dog shit. 
De Ligt can't start at Bayern. De Young can't start at Barcelona. Uh, De, uh, Frankie, what's a kid in, in, in United? Oh, Anthony. Oh, no, no, not Anthony. Van de Beek. The blonde kid. Van, Van de, de Beek. Beek. He yeah. can't start under his own old manager. Anthony, we'll see. But, like, that godly Ajax team that everybody was raving about, Ives, that's all they had. Not a single one of them has shown they had the ball to, to make Frankie. the next step. I, th- I think Frankie, out of all of them, is, like, the actual player that you can Maybe. say surely right now is quality. All of the other ones, I mean, I mean, put it this but way. Dujan Tadic, Tadic was their star player, right? And he couldn't do jack shit in the Premier League at Southampton. Right, that's dud. my point. That's my point. Yeah. And Ziyech was supposed to be the best of them because he was established. He wasn't an up-and-coming talent, whatever. He's nothing. Ziyech is dead to me in this team. I'm done. And he has... Him. Yeah, Andy has no calves. I just wanted to say that. Um, he's nothing. Like the whole wizard of whatever, it's 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 a farce. Like no, I don't he's a... see I don't want to see him again. Like I don't see how his introduction to a game benefits this team at all. Moroccan can do a better job at right wing back, right wing hybrid. Um Polisic out of Pulisic. position probably can do a better job. At this mm-hmm. point, give Omari Hutchinson a game. If we're only going to be giving nine minutes to somebody on the wing, what can that kid do worse than Ziyech at this point? Honestly. Who knows? I mean, so, that's another thing. We have all these young players that we just signed, and Potter's going to have time to take a look at them and see if you know any yeah. of them could be of use. So why not? He has I'll a great track point. record. I'll get to the bigger point I, I want to say about Potter and what he can do in a little bit after we talk about other players. But the other yeah. player, like the other sub that was bad, unfortunately, was Gallagher. Like, still, like he's way too in his head, misplaying easy passes. Like, you can run around hard all day, but like, we're chasing a goal. I need you to do something with the ball, and I still don't see it. Um, I think, I think with him, the confidence issue is more evident than with some yeah. other players. Because, granted, he doesn't have a reputation in this team like some of the other guys do. You know, if, he, if, if, Kovacic or Jorginho goes through a rough patch, they can still bank on the fact that they know they succeeded before and that it's most likely just a rough patch. And I think with Gallagher, he's so young and he hasn't established himself amongst these Chelsea players and in his Chelsea team to the point where if he comes in and his confidence is shot, he has a, I mean, that that uphill climb that he initially had became twice as steep. Yeah, you know, I, it, I was just thinking with, that the lack of confidence just adds like another 200 pounds of weight on your back. It, it I feel like that's that, where he is. It doesn't help that we knew he was going to be on the team from day one, right? Like season ended, nobody was saying Gallagher was getting sold within Chelsea. Like everyone knows this kid is staying and he's part of the squad. Like it's, that was the message across the board. Ownership, Tuchel, like everyone that was here in the summer, Gallagher is staying. He's doing great at practice. Like, season at palace was great didn't end as good like it started very hot and it slowly faded but then in the summer everything was positive and this kid is going to be the rotation option and hype the hype the hype and i don't think that's helping him but now he's in his head and yeah my thought process now is like i think these two guys like these sort of bad performances are what it's going to earn minutes for guys that 
haven't had the chance like it's not going to be it usually is like oh what has this player done for me at training oh what has this player done with his cameos so far to get more minutes i think these guys have been doing so poorly that they're gonna let other people that maybe aren't training as well or something get their times like i think we are on the verge of finally seeing a chukwameka sighting because other options haven't been good uh yeah it's crazy to think about that because you know, with, after the transfer window, we're talking depth, depth, depth. But you still see it that the quality isn't quite there. We still haven't seen Zakaria. So we have now two weeks. I don't know if he got called up by the Swiss national team. Like I don't know if they've announced who's going out on international break. But he's not going. I hope he does a good job of staying here and staying busy. And with Chukwameka, I'm sure he's not traveling. I hope he busts his ass in these next two weeks. But one thing's for certain, man. Like, that last, those last three subs came in. I had already thrown in the towel. It sucks. So, so could you really blame Connor Gallagher then in that situation? I mean, look, being an issue. I think, I think, to be fair to him, I don't think he was terrible. But at the same time, he's gonna have a longer leash with Graham Potter for sure. This is only his first appearance under this manager. So I don't think I don't think I don't think this one appearance or even if he has another even if his next two appearances are similar to this one where he just fails to have any sort of real impact and limited time. I don't think Graham Potter is going to look at him and be like, yeah, you know what? I might need to give the opportunity to to Chuck or to Zakaria instead. I I get that. But at the same time, he needs he's going to be aware that Gallagher has been struggling for the better part of a month now, like. I'll get clean slates, but you can't ignore what's come before his time here. Like Ziyech, awful cameo for nine minutes, but he also had an awful cameo a week ago. Like he's going to have to use some of the, of what happened before his arrival. Understand like, I need to give this kid a little bit more time, understand what I want him to do so that his confidence isn't completely shot. Yes, of course we're going to see Gallagher eventually in the rotation, I just think that because he's so in his head that some other people might be getting minutes in the recent future. I'm not saying that it's going to be forever that Gallagher gets you know, less time. I'm just saying that you can't keep forcing blunt force these guys back in form. Like that's not going to be helpful either. That's why I'm saying like guys like Chukwameka may get minutes not because of their merit, but because the others are shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, but but here's the thing. I think with a with a player like Gallagher, in order to build his confidence back up, the ideal situation would have been, okay, let's wrap him up in cotton wool and protect the shit out of him, and instead of bringing him on as our midfield impact sub, we'll bring on a veteran player, and we just don't have that. And and maybe Potter can make the adjustments to maybe maybe use RLC as that sort of you know uh, safety player I guess for lack of a better word a guy that you know you know exactly what you're going to get when he comes into the game so maybe you can use RLC as that safety net while you try to build Gallagher back up maybe the right way to get Gallagher's confidence back up is to not deploy him as a traditional eight maybe deploying him as a ten or as an attacking player where he has a little bit of freedom. Or what would be really nice, Andres, and, and, and I'm dreaming here, okay? 
But wouldn't it be nice to just spank a team every now and then and bring him on with a two or three goal lead where it doesn't Obviously, matter if he that's, makes that's a fucking a, mistake? Like, right, and we'll, and but, but, but this is the issue. It's the fact that we don't have a player that we can bring in in the meantime while we're while we're sort of building up the entire team's form and getting, you know, getting Potter's ideas and tactics and everything, you know, waxed and ready to go. I mean, yeah, and the time will come, but yeah. I want to talk a little bit about players that have just been the better part of the season struggling and, and just talking about it. We 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 started with Aspie and here's I'm in this like weird camp where it's not his fault that he gets picked. First off, I'm not I I think it's lazy to to be like why is he getting chosen? Like he's not asking to be started. I mean, obviously, every player wants to the manager and goes, "I'm the captain. You're going to play me," because we all know that's not how it works. At the same time, are our other players just that shitty at practice? Where Aspilicueta's getting the nod? Like, I, I get trusting your veterans. And you just came in like Potter. I get that. I do. I don't think yeah. that should be getting that many more minutes going forward. And I hope that the tape is something that Potter can look at and be like, you know, if I'm going to really do this, like, this, I think other managers, because of the Roman looming acts and, and potential of getting fired but almost catered to the senior players because it is easier to trust older figures or supposed to be with Potter for the long run I would hope that he's been told he's got the power to to make that tough decision and rely on the guys that are going to be here and letting Ofana or Chalaba make a mistake or two but overall allow us to play the way we want to play because at this point Aspie is too slow Aspie gets pressed and he falls apart Aspie is not technically sound to be the guy that progresses the ball on the dribble and then find the, the keen pass he's going to be extremely safe when he has the ball just don't it, think this is this just anymore this just screen the, the only reason why Aspie was selected is because of his experience. And we've seen this a lot of times with new managers when they come into teams. And I said this last week, he's going to come out with the tried and trusted players, the guys who are experienced, because those are the guys that are able to mold and adapt to his ideas the quickest, just based on their playing experience. So I don't think it's a matter of Graham Potter looking at the team and being like, you know what, Aspie's probably our best bet at right, at right center back. There's no chance in hell. I mean, if you're looking at our five slash six center backs, if you want to count Kukurea, Aspie's probably number six on my list. Seven behind Reese James. Seven behind Reese James. Yeah, there you go. So I'm not too fussed about Aspie being selected. I am a little bit fussed about him, and this is going to be kind of controversial, but still being the captain. I think the captain, the full-time captain of Chelsea Football Club needs to be a guy that plays week in and week out. And unfortunately for Asby, he's passed it. He even wanted to move this summer. It, you know, it didn't happen for whatever reason. He's being very respectable about it. 
I'm not going to say anything bad about Aspie, but what I will say is that I think the captain needs to be on the pitch. And if Thiago right. Silva and Reese James are any indication, those are two guys that can easily wear the armband who deserve to be in the team week in and week out. And two guys who I think this is the more important point have been the most consistent players for our team this season. Yeah, They've I, only I been good. You're gonna, I mean, we had a season where Conte didn't play Terry and Terry was captain and Cahill wore the armband on the pitch. I think, like, I think Terry's an outlier though. Because because I mean, JT's the captain of all captains. Okay, but Madrid's captain last season was Marcelo, and Marcelo played like twenty minutes. Like yeah. sometimes that happens, but like my thing is just they they that that Madrid team had a lot more leadership in there though. I mean, there I I can I can come up with reasons. Like your your team captain doesn't have to play. Like I'm not fussed by that, and I don't think that Otter's gonna come in and change the captain because at the end of the day he's a, a senior figure. They're not gonna change him. I don't think it's going to happen this season. What I'm thinking is why did, because at the end of the day, now we've known that Boley and, and I can't remember the second guy in command's last name, how to say it properly, but Boley's team was making the decisions. Aspie wanted to leave and they asked him to stay for two more years. If we've been in this long project, why? I find it so hard to believe that thought that he was going to be playing this much i've seen way more of aspie this season than i could have ever imagined i know it's game one with potter i just hope potter has the balls to make that tough choice and i hope that that sooner rather than later because we've given him the keys this is the first time a manager has been told essentially like you're here for a while dude like don't get us relegated and you'll be fine he to be fair to Potter, he did drop Bruno at Brighton. Bruno was their captain for a long time. And then when his form started dipping, I think it was like 36 at the time. He's, he's he benched him. Coaching, and he's part of his yeah. coaching staff now. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I'm not saying Aspie's ready to coach. He, he can still play no, no, somewhere no. else in Europe. I'm just saying he can't be playing in England. But let's. I want to move on because we do have quite a bit to still get to. Um but let's quickly touch on Kai and Mason Mount because I, I want to clump them together because the first 20 minutes, we were, we were shocked, right? I had to double take a few times because I actually saw Kai pressing. I saw him running after the ball, which is something that we haven't seen. Um, but both of their performances for me, Andres, were, were completely underwhelming again. And I, and I know it was a little bit better from Mount. I did like some of the positions that he was taking up. He had a couple good moments where he, you know, picked up some fouls and kept possession for us. Um, but overall, he still failed to have a game-changing impact. He was very yeah. meh. And in terms of Kai, Kai wasn't just meh. He was pretty bad again. So what's, what's kind of your take on it and... Where do you um, stand with this? Because in my opinion, one of the two has to be dropped. You got to give the chance to somebody else now. I mean, it, it's been it's been a it's been too long where we've tried to see if they can coexist. And the longer that I'm seeing them play together, I think they occupy the same areas. They fit a similar profile. And in my opinion, I would rather have Mason Mount. I, I, as of right now, I think. Mason Mount, I think, had a better performance today. I think that it wasn't a complete performance, and I thought he should have been subbed because I think he got gassed, and then the decision-making went out the door. But I saw 
better decision making from him. There was a specific time where he dribbled and just had to like it was an all effort way of keeping possession and he fought like tooth and nail to run through three guys to keep the ball up the right side at one point. The thing with Kai Havertz right now is that we want to give him a chance, right? Seventy five million, seventy two million, whatever. We we discuss how like he can't live off of the Champions League goal anymore. First twenty minutes like Obama Yang. I think the kid just needs a strict set of instructions. I think he needs to be told exactly what he needs to be doing because in this free roll, he goes way too deep, way too wide, and then for example, Obama Yang makes a front post run and Havertz is nowhere to be seen when he should have been making the back post run. And then he just slowly starts fading out of the game because he's trying to be in all places at once. So I think if anything, you need to bench Havertz. You need to just kind of dedicate some time to him on the training pitch. Because right now, he some people can just do it, right? Neymar, Messi, you put them on the pitch, they do it. I, I, I Havertz is what, 23, 24 years old? Max, 23? 22 honestly i i can't remember but he's young so what i think he still has the talent i just think you need to remove him from the situation because right now he's not bringing anything to the table that keeps him in the pitch yeah there's there's nothing that i'm saying yeah that. Maybe Mount at the 10 and, and Loftus-Cheek at the 8 in this weird system can get something more out of it. Maybe you face Mount Gallagher in there, from Chuck. The 10. Yeah, yeah, like, Averts is not going to operate wide. Scratch that. And and again, it just feels like he just needs extra coaching if he's going to be a 10 behind the striker. Like, stay central. Be in the danger areas. Like, we are so... He is so willing to go wide or drop way too deep. And it just hurts him it does because then he's nowhere when the final ball it gets delivered so while i'm hoping and i'm way more hopeful of, of mount turning his form around Havertz might have scored to get a comeback win now two weeks ago then we're back to square one sort of um and i just think he needs to perform sooner than later because it might get to the point where I start thinking it's just not one of those transfers that worked out. We that's we can't fear. keep that's like my that's like my fear in the back of my head that there are there's players where the club ruined them and the club didn't do anything to help them, and then there's players that the club did everything in their power to get them to work and something just didn't work. And I'm leaning to the to that latter option right now with Haverton and it scares me a little bit because I do think there's a great player in there. I just think that people need to stop thinking that this guy is a Holland or an Mbappe that you just put on the field and he's going to do it. Like, I think he needs the coaching at this point. I think he, uh, I think he's another Bundesliga catfish. That's what it seems like. I mean, look, it, it might sound kind of harsh, but I know the guy scored the Champions League winning goal for us. That's, that's fine. That's great. I'm, I'm always going to love him for that, but. We got to stop fucking talking about that one singular good moment that he had for us and actually start analyzing the performances. Until he puts together four or five, six good matches on the spin where he's being a constant impact, he's going to be a dud. 
because for 70 plus million, there's so many other players out there that we can get a tune out of. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that because I'm just going to get too heated if I keep going. But I mean, we'll dive right into the Twitter questions from there, Andres, um, just to kind of continue the, the theme of non-impactful forward players at CFC Ronnie, a.k.a. Ronnie Ashworth, asked us, not much difference tonight, seen that game a dozen times. Where are the goals going to come from? Ronnie, I have no idea. Andres, do you? Armando Broja and hopefully, Sterling. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Sterling. At this point, it's just Sterling. Um, another... somewhere in the back post. Yeah, um, we got a qu- another question in from our good friend Trey at Trail Wolf. What do you feel was the biggest difference tonight between this game and the last under Tuchel? So I kind of, kind of want to take a lead on this, Andres. I alluded to it earlier. I think the passing and possession was much quicker. I saw one touch passing, which is something that I haven't seen in a Chelsea side in God knows how long. I saw forward passing passes that actually broke the midfield lines in the initial press. And the other thing I noticed was our center backs, when they were in possession, they were always looking forward first instead of playing to that safety net of Tiago and then having Tiago and Jorginho basically touch the ball 1,500 times every buildup. Um, that was the main difference for me. It was just overall speed of play. It seemed like the players didn't really have a leash on them in the attacking third. It sort of seemed like Graham Potter gave them the basic build-up plan and then said, when you go into the attacking third, express yourselves. And I think that is actually going to be the blueprint for success in the long run. Obviously, it didn't happen now, but that was a big thing I noticed um, besides the whole energy aspect that we talked about earlier. But what did you notice that was different from your last couple two goal sides that we saw? I think the big one, and it's not just the last game under Tuchel, I can probably say for the majority of the time that Tuchel was our manager, is that our attacking players received the ball without their backs being turned to the goal. Raheem Sterling was receiving the ball, and he was able to face a defender 1v1. Reese was doing that. Mount was doing that. We were actually passing the ball to players who were making runs towards the opponent's goal rather than having to to go backwards, to go forwards. You know, our front three mm-hmm. usually receive the ball to their back to goal under Tuchel. And I think it, it was just refreshing to see players be in an attacking position, in an attacking direction. You know, they were threats immediately as they received the ball. And I talk about it. You you have to be, like, it is much easier. And you learn this when you're like 10 years old. You're a defending team. Once you get a player to turn around and face away from the goal they're trying to score on. So, yeah, you did your job as a defender. I mean, I was yeah. a center back, and that's that. That was rule rule number one. That's when if you, the forward that's when gets the ball with his back to goal, do not let him spin you. Or if they were looking at you and then they turn around, well done. Keep them there. Did yeah. Your part. So exactly. For us to to be trying and and pushing for those passes, like I said, Kovacic getting into the box by making running past Sterling, uh, Sterling getting the chance of one v one dribble. Kukurea from left center back being at the end line for a for a uh, pullback cross like those are all very positive first steps and and that's the one stylistic difference that I noticed that was pretty obvious and from my point of view yeah I mean we did we did get one last question in uh, from our good friend at Jimmy Bahama three one one. I still believe we're going to need more time with a new manager, but who do you think will shine in Potter's system? I know it's early days here. 
but let's just kind of we'll go through the starting eleven, um, and we'll kind of go from there. So obviously, Keppa and Mendy. It could go either way. <laughs> I, to, to be fair to Keppa, that goal was not his fault. I saw some people saying that he should have done better there. Listen, how many times have we seen Edward Mendy not even attempt to go for the ball and just watch it roll in the net? That's one of those situations where I firmly believe Mendy wouldn't even have a chance. I think a shorter goalkeeper has a better chance at that at saving that all day than a six-six goalkeeper. Outside um, of outside of the the goal, I thought that our team felt very comfortable on the ball and passing with him, playing back to him. His decision uh, making was quicker. Actually, yeah, it was quicker. Crisper pass, like it's no. I'm not like here talking shit about Mendy. It's just not the, the best part of his game. Well, Mendy's issue is that he always takes a touch, right? And I think yeah, there were times where Keppa read the Keppa read the game really well and realized when he had time to take the touch and pick a pass, and when it was time to just clear his lines and move the defense back yeah. up the pitch. Um, I think we could both agree Aspie's probably not going to work. No. Thiago Silva, Kukurea, sure things. It's fair to say that Kukurea is going to be the main guy that Potter's going to lean on in early days. I think I mean, he didn't play today, but I think Fofana is going to enjoy that right center back role if it's mm-hmm. still this weird hybrid because I think it was, it was against Zagreb. He created the most chances while playing center back in what yeah. was a while a back four because that's what we deployed against Zagreb. So, he did go on these Rudiger-esque runs at Leicester too where he would just kind of take the ball and, and advance it up the pitch and just Potter know, enjoys that from his outside yeah. center backs like they had they're the progress they're the initial progressors you talked about them looking more for vertical passes but he allows them to dribble into space and and, and create these overloads and numbers mm-hmm. and Fofana has more than athletic ability to, to be able to do so um even tried a Rudiger-esque shot last match, so I think he'll be a huge benefit. Again, I think you, we've, we've kind of hammered this already. It's easier to rely on the veteran on the first match. I expect Fofana to be there. Um, yeah. More so, more sooner rather than later, and, and for a while. And um, it, it, it makes sense, because all of our center backs fit that profile of being progressive ball carriers, too. Trevor Chalaba could do that. Koulibaly could do yeah. that. We've already seen Koulibaly's range of passing. I know he's in a rough patch of form, but guys, you don't, you don't become not world-class overnight. Guys are allowed to have bad runs of form. That's fine. Yeah. But um, I was going to say, obviously, Reese yeah. James is an easy one to pick. He's our best player, and you can put him anywhere. I think whether, you know, if, you, if, you, if we're going to continue to put him in that right wing, right wing back role, He's a major step up to both Tariq Lamptey and Sully March, which is who Potter was deploying there before. Um, Jorginho is the weird one for me. Well, I was because... going to say, like, even with Reese James, you there might be a chance where if we want to go really offensive, where Reese James might get put as the deepest of a midfield three. And, and then you're really protecting the middle of the park. Um, obviously, that's an outside shout. Now we're really thinking outside the box, but... It's not out of the realm of possibility. Jorginho, like you said, that is the weird one because in a low block against a low block, sure, he's not going to get exposed. We're going to have the ball the whole time, and I thought he did okay today. He did okay, but what I happens, think lo- what happens when you get against a City, a Liverpool, exactly, and that's that's my issue. And then the other issue is long term. We know Jorginho is not the long term solution in that position. He just doesn't fit the natural profile to stop that. Right, Kovacic. Right. I can't think of a single team in Europe that Kovacic wouldn't improve. Uh, Reese James, we've talked about him. Kai Havertz, jury's out, man. 
I mean, he I, needs I, to step up. I'll give I'll give him the next. I'll give him ten matches under Potter. This one doesn't count. Yeah, I think the other one that's obvious and we already saw it is Sterling. Uh, after the match, he said that he had a lot of fun playing out wide again. He, yeah, I think he was very political and and good with his words when questions were asked about him playing centrally for for Tuchel, but. You could just tell how much more comfortable he was being isolated and doing the 1v1s and being able to cut inside and working off of people making runs past him. Like, that's I like what he position, said. You know? He knows yeah. that more work is going to be done, but he had fun today. And and hearing an attacking player for Chelsea say they had fun, and breath, uh, breath of fresh air. I actually really liked what he said after the match. They asked him about the result, and he specifically said that it was a disappointing result. And I love that. Because I know Graham Potter went back and said, I'm proud of the boys. They gave everything, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's obviously not trying to ruffle feathers in his third day in management. But Sterling, as one of the elder statesmen of the team, and a guy who's won how many trophies now... You know, comes in and says, listen, that's fucking disappointing. It was a home match in the Champions League. And we just we just kind of fell short. So I really like that from Sterling. Aubameyang and Barroja, I'm kind of I'm gonna couple them together like Keppa and Mendy because I think this position's completely up for grabs. I don't think Aubameyang's done enough to necessarily get himself out of the squad, but at the same time, I think Broja's done enough to get himself into the squad. So with that being said, I think both of them can stylistically work. Whoever with the way, finds form first. It's a race Potter's form. Yeah, I think so. And 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 again, I think I think the main deal breaker between them two is gonna be Broja's work rate and physicality. I just think that's what's gonna be the small thing that gets him above Aubameyang, with the caveat that he that, that he can score goals. Because if he doesn't score goals, those are useless. And that's where I'll, I'll give you the op, like devil's advocate. I think the experience with Aubameyang will come into play. Um, yeah. Because I, I thought last week, he already has decent chemistry with, with Sterling. He understands what he should be doing as the lone nine here. Um, you know, again, it's not, he's not in La Liga facing weaker opposition a very very fluid Barcelona attack like here he has to go back to being much more of a poacher um yeah I think that he still will probably be our, our number one option in the near future with Abroja just continuing to learn and improve as the time goes on so yeah um well my computer is running out of battery Andres I just got the notification <laughs> here uh that's great my charger's on the other side of my apartment but before we kind of sign out here all-star game or no all-star game? Listen, I just want to say that I think it's extremely ignorant and arrogant to raise money. And using, you know, people are so quick to like think that this was like a concrete thought, like we're going to play this all-star game midway through the season when everybody's in 10 competitions. Like, None of this was said, and people were like, well, it's a congested schedule already, and it's a risk, and it's this, and it's that. And it's like, man, I don't remember the last time NBA, MLB, and even NFL player got hurt in their version of an All-Star game. It is an exhibition yeah. game for fun, and 
honestly, or my my big brain thought is the community shield is boring as fuck. Tie it to the weekend of the community shield, and you make it a, a weekend event, and you play two matches at Wembley that weekend, and first you have the All Star game on a Friday, and then the community shield on a Saturday, and you sell one ticket for two, and you actually get people to show up to that boring ass preseason game as a trophy at the end. Uh, but you get to maybe see a North versus South. I I liked. I, I was more on board with his pitch that it will help the funding with the footballing pyramid. Of course. That's, again, that, that's the more important thing here. It's not a matter of making Chelsea or the Premier League more money. Fuck that. There's enough money in the Premier League to go around. No, and, that, and that's not the point of it. Like, again, using what he knows, All-Star Game funds a very extensive minor league system in baseball. Yeah. yeah like, there is probably, like, if you look at all the athletes that are registered under Major League Baseball and you add the minors, there's probably more minors players than majors. So yeah. it's one of those things where like he understands that you have to feed the bottom for the grow the, the top to benefit. And again, like I know it's against the grain. I know that Europe doesn't do them, but like it's not from a place where like let's make this more American. It's like this worked for us. Like I think it's something to consider. People just yeah. blew it up out of proportion. I think it would be fun to see best Premier League players face off against each other. Of course I do. Best league in the world. Why wouldn't I? Like, why wouldn't I to, like, actually, like, super high-level players? Like, Frank, why wouldn't I want to see him? Huh? Frankly, I, I wouldn't watch the All-Star game if there was one. Just because I know that the competition level would be a joke. But the point is, there's people like, there's a lot of people that share the same sentiment as you that want to see it, that are interested in seeing it. And it's not I just one or fucking, two people. Watch the there's a huge there's, world uh, versus Europe. Yeah. Retired old ass dudes. I tune into YouTube and watch that. Like, yeah. why wouldn't I want to watch, like, Kevin De Bruyne setting up Mohamed Salah? That's fun. It's one game. Yeah. I'm not asking for a whole season of it. Like, I just think it's 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 way too quick to be dismissive or like it's it's such a weird thing to get so fed up about. It was just an idea. Like, yeah, guys, come on. It's not the Super League. Get over yourselves. God damn it. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. Anyways, um, let's just kind of end it there because I feel like if we keep over, I, I feel like we could easily overanalyze Potter's first game in charge. Which just would be game. criminal on our part. Exactly. We got to give Drupal him at least. Also, drew his first match. There you go against Wolves, right? Yep. Yeah, nil, nil match. Yeah, it was boring as fuck. At least we scored in this one. So, <laughs> but anyways, he gets, um, he gets two weeks till the next match, so that's good. Yeah, and you guys get two weeks until our next podcast. So until then, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. Um, are we Blues on Parade or Blues on Parade Pod? I always forget. <laughs> At Blues on Parade. At Blues on Parade. There we go. Um, and we do record after every single episode. So if you haven't heard me mention this spiel a thousand times before, make sure you're following us and looking out for our new episode drops. After every match, we do our best to tweet a question out almost immediately. That's your chance to get included on the podcast. So shout out to our questions this week. Uh, Jimmy Bahama, Trey Wolf, CFC Ronnie. We didn't see Ron in here, which was a little odd. Um, Michael Conan, 
Missy Ron. Aspie. Yeah, Michael Conan. Shout out to Michael Conan. He was very active in the Discord this week as well, so we appreciate that. Um, and until next podcast, keep the blue flag flying high.